Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. All right, everybody, how we feeling? Hey, clap for Moses, clap for him. Let him know you love him, come on. Some big love from Motown. We love you, Mo. Hey, we have a special guest in the building. How many of you get like special guests? First of all, if you don't know who I am, my name is JD. So glad you're here. Um, the special guest is one of my dear friends, actually the guy who pastors the Antioch Church that's in Seattle, Washington, that's called Mosaic. Liz and I were actually a part of seeing that church birthed, so he holds a real special place in our heart. He also serves as one of the overseers for the U.S. movement called Antioch, and he is an amazing guy, and he's here this morning. Mr. Andrew Buck in the house! Right here up front. Come on, better than that, people. Better than that! Love it. So glad you're here, dude. Um, welcome. Seriously, man, we're so honored to have you here. Uh, we've got one more piece of kind of family business that we just kind of want to bring you guys into. Um, exciting times here at church. You feel it? You feel that kind of what can be hard to define, um, but something that we all experience, that momentum from God, when you just can just sense, man, like God is doing something beyond what we can ask, hope, or imagine. And about a month and a half ago, we were presented with an incredible uh, opportunity. And uh, those of you who were here last week maybe heard that I preached at a church called Hope in the City. And that's really what they've been for like 18 years. They have been a beacon of hope in this city. And um, truthfully, uh, we've had relationship with them uh, for about 18 years. The guy that founded that church is a guy named Ron Parrish. And he is great friends with the guy who started Antioch, Jimmy Seibert. Uh, and they have walked closely together for all of this time. Ron actually serves on the board of advisors for Antioch Waco. And Jimmy served for many years on the board at Hope in the City. And about a month and a half ago, they presented us uh, with the thought of praying about having them uh, potentially join our church as their as our South Campus. Um, and we were just really awe-inspired that they would even consider that. And, and so we're still in process. Nothing has been formally decided, but we wanted to pull you guys in because we're a family, right? We, we do this together. We're in this together. Uh, and although um, we will, our heart is to be one house in two locations, that we would be one church that meets in two different buildings, uh, that this is a change. This would be a shift, not just for them, but also for us. And we, we don't want you to be surprised by anything. We also don't want you to fear anything because we really believe that uh, if this is God, then it's going to happen smoother than we can even dream. Um, and so they're a team that they've kind of been leaning into over this past year-long journey of them trying to find a new senior pastor. They called it their discernment team, uh, met, and they unanimously have decided that they really feel like this is the direction that the church should go. And they're presenting that this morning to the church, that the discernment team and the elders of Hope in the City are unanimously saying, we really feel like this is God, but we want to take these next couple of days to really pray and fast and they're going to make the final decision on November 6th, Tuesday night, which is election day, which is kind of funny how that all worked out. Um, 
But uh, we want to pray for them, right? Uh, this, is a, this is a big deal. And uh, the fact that we could potentially be a part of this is an honor. Uh, it's, it's a privilege, uh, but it comes with a, a great deal of responsibility because we want to honor what God has been doing in that community uh, for the past 18 years. And um, their leadership is phenomenal. Uh, their elders, just to sing their praises, have gone through just an, a really challenging year. And their hearts have remained soft. They have remained kind and expectant, uh, looking into what at times felt like very turbulent waters and, uh, and so they, they've got a couple of days of prayer and fasting uh, and a huge decision to be made on Tuesday. Whenever that decision is made, um, we'll send out some communication to keep you guys in the loop. Man, I know that something like this brings up a lot of questions and a lot of unknowns. And honestly, uh, we, we've been really dreaming and thinking into this. But for the sake of honoring Hope in the City, we're not getting into any details until we hear from them that this is really what they want to do. And then at that point, then we will begin to talk on our end about how it will change and expand really the vision that we feel like God's given us as a church. But we want to honor and cover them, okay? And, and we want to bless them and we want to come underneath them and support them in this time. And these next couple of days are pivotal for them and a leadership team. And so I want to actually take a couple of minutes right now and pray for them. Can we do that? Uh, if you're new to church, we believe in prayer here. We believe prayer changes things. And so um, we're just going to take a second here. If you could just close your eyes, bow your head so that we can all focus on Jesus. I'm just going to pray that God would speak to them, that he would give them uh, a clear word, again, confirm all that he's been speaking up to this point. And so, Jesus, here we are. God, we thank you for what you're doing here at Antioch. And God, we thank you that you are expanding your kingdom here in Austin, Texas. And Lord, we thank you for this amazing church and hope in the city. And God, we just ask that right now, um, even as they are preparing to announce this to their congregation formally, Lord, would you prepare hearts? Would you cover them? Would you speak clearly words of encouragement to them? And God, we just ask for their leadership, their elders, and their discernment team, and their staff. God, I'm asking that right now that their hearts would be filled with the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. God, and I do just pray that they would be confirmed as they're going into these next couple of days in unity, that you would shout loudly from heaven your heart for them in this next season. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So exciting times, huh? Good stuff happening at church. Uh, could not be more proud to be a part of it. And it's really all because of you guys. Y'all are amazing. Uh, and uh, we, we've been in a fun series. Have you guys enjoyed the Solas series? Yeah? Um, Solas, for those of you who have not been with us, is actually derived from the Latin word sola. And we have been walking through kind of what is known as the five solas that were birthed out of the Protestant Reformation that really kind of stand in theologians and pastors' hearts and minds as the doctrine of salvation, meaning what we believe about salvation and how it affects us in our daily lives. And last week, Chris did a phenomenal job, didn't he? Talking about sola grata, right? That by grace alone. And I just want to say, man, how amazing has it been um, to have Chris and Christy Otts on our team uh, over the past 
few months, just an amazing addition to who we are as a church and in a lot of ways have really completed us uh, on so many levels. And not just is he an incredible communicator. And if you missed that message, you can check it out on our YouTube channel or in our podcast. I'd encourage you to do that uh, because it is really unpacking this truth that it is for grace that we have been saved through faith. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And that really sets the tone for where we're going today. Because today our assignment is so lus Christus which is by Christ alone. John 14, 6, Jesus put it this way, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen me. Christ alone. This principle in part means that God has given us the ultimate revelation of himself by sending Jesus. And only through God's gracious self-revelation in Jesus and Jesus alone do we come to a saving and transforming knowledge of God. It's by Christ alone. And before we we dive any further in this, I want to launch a question at you. How many of you have packed or planned for a trip and realized that you forgot the one thing that you actually needed? Good friend of mine actually performed, officiated Andrew and Emily. How many of you guys love Andrew and Emily? College pastor. (laughs) good friend of mine performed Andrew and Emily's wedding and forgot his suit pants. Holler at you, boy, right? I mean, you got a party up, you know, you got business up top, party down low, right? Luckily, it was a little bit of a rustic wedding, so no one even commented on the fact that he was wearing blue jeans with his suit. You get all the way, but you forgot one thing, and that one thing was actually the only thing that you Needed. How many of you forgot your phone charger and you're going on a trip? The tragedy, the horror. Right? You packed your computer. You forget your charger. What am I supposed to do? Right? You get someplace. You have everything that you think you need, but you forgot the one thing that you actually need. Liz and I, when we went to go pick up our twins from Burundi, uh, it's kind of a long, complicated story. But what you need to know is that the embassy in Burundi did not do any immigration So we had to hub out of Kenya, all right? Actually, Kenya is a really cool place. It's awesome. The climate's like California. The people are amazing. The food's phenomenal. We did not mind hubbing out of Kenya. But we arrived in Kenya in the middle of the night, as you do often when you're traveling overseas. The time does not work in your favor. And so we leave Dallas. We go from Dallas to London, London to Kenya. We arrive in Kenya. Now we had it all planned out, right? I mean, every detail of this trip was planned out. Liz is the CEO executive planner in our family and she nails it most of the time. (laughs) And so we we arrive and the whole plan was that our hotel was going to have a shuttle for us that was going to pick us up from the hotel 
or from the airport, take us to the hotel. We were going to spend one night in Kenya and then literally the next morning go back to the airport and fly to Burundi and then pick up our twins and two days later fly back to Kenya and begin a series of meetings with the embassy that I'll just say challenged my salvation. (laughs) So we arrive in Kenya. We step out of the airport. No shuttle. No sign for our hotel. No nothing. Now look, this is Africa. We traveled a lot. This stuff happens. We were not totally shocked that our planned ride was not there. There's taxi cabs. We're cool, right? So we just go to a taxi and we're just like, hey, can you take us to this hotel? The guy's like, yeah, no problem. Sure, sure, sure. We load up in this taxi cab and we cruise. We get to the hotel. It's super late. We're exhausted, tired. We've been traveling for hundreds of hours, right? Maybe not that much, but I'm exaggerated. Just roll with me. My heart's good. <laughs> and so we're whooped, tired. We get to the front desk in the lobby of this beautiful hotel in Kenya. And we're like, yeah, we, you know, we need to check in, blah, blah, blah. And they kind of look, you know, and they do that kind of like polite thing where they kind of look up and then they look down. And you can tell like something is not right, right? And immediately you begin to judge them. Like get a, get a system that works. <laughs> like, come on. Like you're going to put me through this? I've been traveling all day. I came from Dallas, Texas, okay? Like I'm tired. All I want to do is sleep. And they look at us, you know, and they're kind of doing that little... <laughs> Give me one second. They go and have a little meeting, come back, do that, you know, and do this. Happens a couple times. Listen, I look at each other like, what is going on? They look at us and they're like, well, uh, Mr. and Miss Griffin, uh, you do have a reservation for our hotel, but it's for tomorrow, not for today. Now, being a kind and gracious husband, I looked at Liz and I said, it's all good. It's all good, right? That's not actually what happened, but this is church, so we're going to keep it right there. Now, thankfully, thankfully, they had a room for us, so we didn't have to sleep outside with the lions that had just escaped from the wildlife reserve. I'm not even exaggerating to you. There were lions on the loose, okay? And we almost had to go camping with lions because we had all this planning Months of preparation, one number was wrong. One number. One little thing was wrong, and we get to where we think we're supposed to be and realize that because of that one number being wrong, all of the other planning that we had done did not matter. This is our world. This is our world. We have people are chasing after everything, trying to make their life better, trying to get their life back on track, trying to act better, trying to do better, trying to earn their way back into good graces or good grace, whatever that phrase is, graces. But it doesn't matter if you don't have the only thing that does matter. By Christ alone. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. By Christ alone. Let's not get to the end of everything and realize that we actually have done nothing. Am I talking to anybody? It is by Christ alone. This is an extraordinarily generous offer, but its clarity is intrinsically narrow. 
It's generous because Jesus has made a way for all to enter this revelation. But it is narrow because Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. There is no other revelation that will get you in good standing with God. There is no other belief system. There's no act that you can do. There's no thing that you can perform. It is by Jesus and Jesus alone. It is by Christ alone that we enter into the relationship with God that not only affects our life here on earth, but also for eternity. This truth is narrow and generous, right? The, the narrowness of Jesus and the generosity of God's intent for all to come to this understanding. First Timothy 2 says this, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions and prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants, everybody say it with me, all people, can we say it like we're not watching golf? All people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God, God wants all to be saved, for there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. God's intent is that all people would come to the saving revelation of who he is to meet Jesus, who is the perfect representation of the Father. He is the full picture and perfect exact thing that we're to follow and understand about who God is. And it is through him that we experience all that God has for us and the rescue mission of God that was put in place the day that sin entered the world was to bring revelation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God's intent from the day that the separation that sin created for us was that Jesus would come and close the gap by Christ alone that we would then experience the full picture of the Father. Jesus in his Humility and his grace has made a way where there is no way. Because he's the way. He, he's the truth. And he's the life. Our only response to this revelation is total surrender. Jesus makes available to us all that heaven has to offer to us and requires only full surrender from us. We, we cannot hold on to what we like in this life and hope that our partial surrender will give us all that we hope for. All that Jesus has made a way for requires that we totally surrender our lives here on earth in light of the generosity of the offer from the God of heaven. It is in 
Jesus' generosity of giving his life, being the way, the truth, and the life, that we can fully surrender to that truth and receive all that God has for us in this life and in eternity. Are you with me? It demands that we surrender ourselves to Jesus and own this truth that it's by Christ alone. If you have a Bible, I want you to jump with me to Matthew 19. We're going to be working our way through a few verses this morning. Um, We're going to start in verse 16. Matthew 19. We're going to start in verse 16. And it says this. Just... Then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? This young man does not want to come to the end of it all and realize that he has one number wrong. Right? He's asking Jesus from a place of humility and a desire to please God. This is not a trap. This is not him trying to finagle some sort of answer out of Jesus to get Jesus in trouble. This is a young man that wants to get it right, not some of it right, wants to get it all right. And so he asked Jesus, what good thing must I do to be saved? Now, if you've been with us over the past two weeks, you've come to the understanding that there is no good thing that we can do that will give us eternal life. It is a gift received through relationship with Jesus. And this is actually why Jesus responds to this young man by saying in verse 17, why would you ask me about what is good? Like, what? There's only one who is good, speaking of himself. And if you want to enter life, if, if you want to enter eternal life, if you want to enter life, then keep the commands. Now, now listen to what begins to happen next because this young ruler says, Which ones, which ones really matter? Like what number on the form do I have to make sure I get right? Which ones really matter? And can we just be honest here? Like we ask the same question. Like, we want to be okay with God, right? We, we, we want to be in good standing with God. We ask the very same question, like, what, what part of the world can I indulge and still be good? Like, can I cuss? Is that cool? Right? I mean, I really like it. It feels good. Like, how, how far can I go? Can I drink a little bit too much sometimes? Are, are we still okay, God? Like, what, what things do I actually have to do, and, and what things have a little wiggle room, God? Because I, I want to please you, but there's some aspects about life I kind of enjoy right now. And, and so, like, can you just tell me which ones really matter? Jesus replies to this young man by just listing the commands. This is a setup. I love this because this is Jesus being savage. He, he just like lists them. He's like, okay, look, don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't give false testimony. Honor your mom and your dad. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because Jesus knew that this man was asking a question from an understanding that it was up to him. 
And, and so Jesus was setting him up. And, and, and he walks right into it, right? The dude just walks right into it. He says, I've done all these. I, I've kept all these. I, I've kept them all. So what do I lack? I'm good. Your list, I haven't killed nobody. I didn't steal nothing. I don't lie. I honor my mom and my dad. So I'm good. Is there anything else? Am I lacking anything else? Just let me know, man. I'm feeling great right now, man. This is what I'm talking about, Jesus. Thank you. I'm so glad I asked this question. And Jesus answered him, if you want to be perfect, if you don't want to lack anything, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have a treasure in heaven. Listen to this last sentence. Then come, follow me. This is what it's about right here. Jesus is not making a statement about money. Jesus is making a statement about the young man's heart. Jesus in Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, your heart is. Jesus was using what this young man was holding on to to show him that although he had upheld the letter of the law, he had missed the power and the full surrendering to the God of the law. It goes on to say in verse 22 that when this young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He was holding on so tight to what he had that he didn't even hear Jesus say, come follow me. He completely missed the invitation for relationship on the back end of total surrender because he was grabbing hold of what he felt like he couldn't surrender. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, I tell you, it's hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Again, this isn't a statement about money. This is a statement about surrender. It's impossible for someone who doesn't want to surrender everything to enter the kingdom of heaven. That, that's what this is. If, you, if you're going to grab hold of something on this earth and make it your everything, you are setting yourself up to not be able to make it through the narrow gate that is Jesus by Christ alone. Because the generosity of the offer of God that all would come to the revelation of who he is hinges on our total surrender to the narrowness that he is all. By Christ Alone. So the question for us is, what are we holding on to? What, what is it for us? Maybe like this young man, it's your money. And you're like, God, you can have all of me. I, I, I want you to have all of me, but this part. This part, this part's for me. I surrender everything to you, but this. This one. This makes me feel safe. This makes me feel in control. This makes me feel like I am somebody. So you can have all of me, but the part that brings value to me. Am I talking to anybody? 
This partial surrender does not allow us to enter the narrow gate that is Jesus. It might not be finances for you. Maybe it's an emotional thing. Maybe you've got so much rage inside of you and bitterness eating you up because of things that have happened to you. And you can justify the hurt. You can justify your response. But the fact is that if we hold on to it, it will keep us from entering the narrow gate. It's total surrender. Because what happens on the back end of total surrender is total relationship. Jesus says, come and follow me. What Jesus will give us will far outweigh what we're fearful to surrender to him. Jesus wants to walk with us. He wants to have relationship with us. And our total surrender to Christ alone allows our souls to commune with him in the beautiful discipleship relationship that he offered this young ruler that he missed because he was holding on to what he had. It's a total surrender of what we have that makes a way for Jesus to then totally overwhelm us with who he is. But our limited understanding of the love of God will keep us from letting go of the things that are giving us value here on earth. Jesus is enough. Let me just declare that over you. Jesus is enough. Jesus makes it so clear for us. Matthew 7, he says, enter through the narrow gate. He says it, it's narrow. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few will find it. Jesus is the way. It is Christ alone. Solus Christus, Christ alone. It is by Christ alone that we enter through the narrow gate. It is by what Jesus did for us that allows us to surrender all that we have to experience all that he's got given us. It is by Christ alone that we get the full picture and revelation of the glory and the hope and the, the majesty of God, the full picture of God's heart for us, the full picture of God's heart for our family is found in the total surrender of what we are holding on to here on earth because of what awaits us in heaven. It is by Christ alone. And I think a, a message like this really dictates two responses. The first response, for those of us who are in the room, they're like, man, look, I, I'm holding on to some stuff, man. I've given my life to Jesus. You're like this young ruler. You're like, I want to follow you. I want to live for you, God. I want to surrender everything I have to you, but I just don't know how to give up this one thing. I don't know how to let this one thing go. I, I don't know how to lay this down. I, I know it's keeping me from entering the narrow gate. I know it's holding me back. I'm trying to move forward in my relationship with you. I'm trying to take some steps that are going to affect everything about who I am and how I live. But God, I just feel like I can't let go of this. And so in just a minute, we're all going to stand up and then we're just going to open up the front. You can just respond. You can just come and physically surrender and you might need to move your body and say, God, here I am. I'm coming. I'm laying down 
all that I am. I'm laying down my rage. I'm laying down my finances. I'm laying down my need to be in a relationship. I'm laying down my need to feel like I'm in control. I'm laying down my need. Whatever it is that you're holding on to, your yeah but that is keeping you from missing the invitation that Jesus is saying, come follow me. Come walk with me. Come know me. Come experience life with me. Whatever it is, you just need to come and lay it down. And, and for some of you, you're here this morning and you don't even have a relationship with Jesus. And I just want to say, man, we're so glad that you're here. And every single week, we give the same opportunity for people. And they shoot their hands up all across this room and surrender their life to Jesus for the very first time. And look, if that's you, I just want to say, you know exactly who you are. You know exactly who you are. And as you're sitting in here this morning, your heart is exploding in you. And you're beginning to see that your mind is connecting with your heart. And you're beginning to, it is, it's Christ alone. It's by Christ alone. He's the narrow gate. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the one that covers my sin. He's the one that forgives me. It is through his life, death, burial and resurrection that I can encounter the full picture of who God is on this earth and experience eternity with him and your heart is exploding inside of you and that's because God is after you the one the narrow gate is after you right now he's calling your name right now and all we have to do is surrender so can you stand to your feet